Is heart disease in women the same as in men? Should we have different treatment protocols based on gender? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Claire Friend. Dr. Friend has a unique background to discuss this topic. She has practiced as an internist, done cardiology research, trained in neurology, and completed child psychiatry training. She currently is an assistant clinical professor at UCLA Harbor General. Dr. Friend is an expert on the link between mood and stress and heart disease. Welcome to our special series on women's health. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Claire Friend. Dr. Friend has a unique background to discuss this topic. She has practiced as an internist, done cardiology research, trained in neurology, and completed child psychiatry training. She is currently an assistant clinical professor at UCLA Harbor General. Dr. Friend is an expert on the link between mood and stress and heart disease. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Lund. It's delightful to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Oh, well, it's a pleasure and a topic near and dear to my heart, so to speak. Sigmund Freud, of course, believed that anatomy is destiny. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Much like, do you believe that the XX chromosome is destiny Uh, or the XY chromosome is destiny? How does this relate to women and heart disease? You know, it's a sort of fascinating evolution. Women, we know that boys are different from girls and women are different from men, that women are more emotional, more reactive. Their feelings, in many instances, are hurt more easily, that we take things to heart. It has to do with our psychology, and this is what Freud was talking about, that women take in, we internalize, be it sexually or emotionally, so that stress and anger when swallowed and powerful emotions work on us and affect our physiology. They affect the way our brain processes things. They affect the chemistry, the mechanisms on our brain, which then affect physiology, unlike men. Hmm. So it's different. But don't you think that's a gross generalization? No, not at all. If you take a look at things, again, Women have an XX chromosome, men have XY. That's not a generalization, that's a reality. Women have double the incidence of diabetes that men have. Women have nine times the incidence of fibromyalgia and lupus, double the incidence of multiple sclerosis, much higher rate of obesity, although that's changing. Women have double the mortality after heart attacks that men do. There's a difference, and it has to do with the way we process the world and the way we handle emotions and stress. It affects physiology. Now, how does depression affect the risk of heart disease in women? Depression is the internalization of anger and aggression. Women are raised to be nice, unfortunately, (laughs) unless you're from New York. But women are raised to be nice. We swallow feelings, unlike men. And when internalized, again, that leads to depression. That's the psychoanalytic interpretation of depression. It's why women have double the rate of depression that men do. Internalization of depression leads to changes in certain hormonal systems, elevations in cortisol, higher rate of diabetes, for example, elevations in triglycerides and cholesterol, 
women have higher rates of catecholamines, part of the internalization. Women have higher and elevated catecholamines lead to higher levels of sticky platelets. This is our physiology. The endpoint of all of these processes, when they operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, is a higher rate of diabetes and heart disease. That's the evolution of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the danger that depression is not only a problem of mood, it is a problem of physiology. Mm-hmm. And it is a risk factor for heart disease because of the physiology of depression. And that's something that women don't understand. And that's something that I think a good part of the medical community doesn't understand. Because we don't think in terms of physiology, we think in terms of mood. Claire, tell us more about catecholamine dysregulation and how this relates. Catecholamines are quite fascinating and they're quite dangerous. Ordinarily, the systems in human beings operate perfectly. They're balanced perfectly. There's some master plan and everything is in harmony. In the presence of stress, of anger, anger, by the way, is responsible for 36,000 heart attacks a year, episodes of intense anger, panic, anxiety, and depression the systems get out of balance. There is an imbalance. The catecholamine system is like the speed gauge, the pedal on a car when you're driving the gas pedal. Elevated levels of catecholamines is like increasing the speed in a car. The greater the level of catecholamines, the greater the intensity of the emotion, the greater the speed. The brake system doesn't operate when you have these elevated levels of catecholamines. They can't compensate. So in the presence of elevated levels of catecholamines, you have increased platelet stickiness, increased blood pressure, increased heart rate. We feel that when we're frightened, when we're anxious, when we're really angry, you can feel the heart rate increase. The blood vessels, particularly the coronary blood vessels, narrow and constrict because catecholamines are vasoconstrictors, so it's like narrowing the diameter of a hose. You increase the pressure. You have arrhythmias because the system, our cardiovascular electrical system, likes things to be in balance. It's sort of like the golden mean. There's a narrow channel, and everything in the system needs to be within those levels. When you go outside those levels, there are reactive problems. So you have arrhythmias, you have the hypertension, you have decreased blood flow to the myocardium, to the heart when you have catecholamines, and it's a dangerous system. If it's just for a brief period of time, we can tolerate that. Just as when something terrible happens, we can tolerate this increase in catecholamines for a brief system. It then goes back down to normal. But when it's elevated chronically, it's a dangerous system. If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Claire Friend. We are discussing women and heart disease. So, Claire, once again, tell us how this catecholamine dysregulation is especially important when we begin to look at gender differences in illness. You know, this is the part that's fascinating. As I said, women are so different from men. We are more reactive. We take emotions to heart. It translates into higher levels of catecholamines. For example, women have increased levels of sticky platelets. 
It's one of the reasons the catecholamines are responsible. They inactivate aspirin. This is the reason why one baby aspirin does not work to protect women against heart disease. It does protect men, but not women. So the cardiologists are now recommending two baby aspirin. So there's one gender difference. Mm -hmm. One of the other problems with this difference in physiology is that there are differences in the conduction system. If you look at the electrocardiogram, the QT interval, the length of time that it takes for the heart to beat and to recover is a little bit longer, a number of milliseconds longer in women than it is in men. These are important differences, and the differences need to be understood as a reflection of our psychology. If you don't treat our psychology, our emotionalism, if women don't understand that, then heart disease can never be effectively treated, effectively addressed in women. So there needs to be for women, because the protocol now, the protocol, the treatment recommendations for the prevention and treatment of heart disease is gender-specific to men. We're different because of our psychology. And so now there needs to be some thought, well, do we need a gender-specific protocol for the treatment of heart disease and prevention of heart disease in women? Absolutely, given the fact that heart disease causes more deaths per year in women than the next seven illnesses combined. We are the weaker sex when it comes to our emotional systems, and we do take things to heart. That said, we must treat that. Women must understand the price of stress and anger and bad relationships and too much to do in life, and that kind of thing, and begin to step back and address those things, lifestyle changes, so to speak, in order to protect their hearts. So when we think about treatment, given all of this information and gender-specific protocols, what other areas should we think about when we're treating our female patients? You know, we can't have it all and do it all. Contrary to some political attitudes, we can't. There needs to be limits. Women try to do so many things and please everybody, their bosses, their spouses, their children, their communities, their churches. Not possible. No is the greatest thing (laughs) in the world, and it's an important weapon to be used to defend ourselves, to set limits, to say, gee, I'd like to do that, but no, I can't, I wish I could. That's number one. The second thing is that women need to speak up and not swallow anger. When somebody offends us, when someone takes advantage of us, there needs to be a way to respond to that so that we don't swallow it because it really literally kills us. That's an important thing. And if it takes lifting weights and learning karate to learn how to defend ourselves and get stronger, maybe that's something that we should all think about. Look at the difference between young women in their 20s and women in their 50s and 60s. The younger women will not let anyone push them around. The older women are painfully nice, painfully nice. I do think that it's important to understand that there are certain chemicals that reduce the stress hormones, serotonin, 5-hydroxytryptophan, St. John's wort, those kinds of things, and that may be important. Therapy, 
women's groups. Women have a certain way of interacting with one another that is therapeutic. In breast cancer, for example, women who get into support groups, even with advanced breast cancer, their survival rate is increased. They've isolated oxytocin, of all things, as one of the factors that increases when women get together. We heal one another. That's the benefit of women's groups, of girlfriends. I think that meditation, I think that private time, R&R, yoga, whatever it is that we can do. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Dr. Friend. Thank you so much for the invitation, Dr. Lund. We've been discussing the link between mood, stress, and heart disease with Dr. Claire Friend. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to our special series on women's health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you access to our entire program library. Thank you for listening.